have you ever felt? Are you listening? Jeremy, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Good, good. Yeah. I've seen you hobbling here. What's what's going on? You uh, <laughs> you you recovering? Or yeah, what's happening? Yeah, about six weeks out. From yeah, ACL replacement. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, man. Is it going good so far? It's been really good. As long as my doctor doesn't catch me out without my brace on, it's it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He killed it. I should uh, still be in fully locked brace and. And don't tell anybody, but I'm back at work and nice. feeling, feeling good. That's awesome, man. I think um, I think it's like some of the best knee doctors live in Colorado. It seems like I know I know there's like a few that are like world renowned that live in Vail. Yeah, and for so sure. Just cashing in with with ski season knee injuries. Yeah, that's what everybody kept asking me who my doctor was. I was like, man, you got to be good to be up here. It yeah, Esposito's killer. He's young and yeah. yeah. Is he out, here <clears throat> out of Durango? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Animus surgical. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Are you? Are, so, what are you doing for PT and stuff on it? Um, I was doing twice a week um, at a sports club and uh, down to once a week and really just trying to take care of it and get stronger and not do anything stupid. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So it was a full, what was it, ACL replacement? Yeah. Yeah. Full. I tore it like two years ago. Oh, okay. Skiing. And I didn't know you didn't have to have an ACL. So he was like, you don't have to have surgery if you don't want to. And I didn't want to. And then it just got worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get it fixed. Oh, that's all, man. I've never, I've gotten lucky, like even hopping up out of this chair a second ago. It's like, my knee's always <laughs> like, ah, man, I don't know. There was like a stupid ass softball accident, you know, right. like up at the college, just hammered, pissed drunk, like running in from the outfield. Like, you know, I love the college, right? I love all the sports up there, but it's, you, there's potholes, dude, everywhere. Yeah. And like that, and that dirt's like kitty litter, you know? So it's like, I remember like coming in for a fly ball, like boom, like catch it. And I'm like, oh, there, we're done. We're done for the season right there. So it, I don't know. It, it could be fucked up for life, but <laughs> I know, man. At our age, you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, you, dude, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you. And um, yeah, the uh, the reason I wanted to have you on, man, is because it's kind of a crazy story. Like, I mean, you and I don't really know each other that well. Kind of, you know, um, uh, you 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 own a cleaning business. Um, you know, Black Bear. Is it Black Bear? What was the name of it? Um, it started off as Black Bear Carpet Cleaning and Repair. Um, now it's kind of grown more into Black Bear Restoration. Nice. Okay. Still. Yeah, yeah. So, so the first, so I got into real estate um, a little over two years ago, and so I had a, I had a, a bitch of a house in Dalton Ranch, and it was like mold city, freaking just horrible, right? And it's like the water tables there. So I'm like calling everybody in the office, like, hey, what's going on? I get all these numbers, and so I reach out to everybody. And, um, you know, a couple of different companies in town and like the numbers are astronomical. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and then I get your number back and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, so I reach out and I, I call you and I'm like, hey, yeah, I think, did you, did you miss something? Like what's going on? And then you start to explain to me that like the system of like how a lot of these companies are, you know, doing the bid. Cause it's like based, you know, on like insurance type situations. Right. Um, yeah, it's like a software. And so you like explained it to me. And I'm like, all right, never met you. It's like a dude over the phone right at that point. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to present this to my folks. And sure as shit, like, obviously they're like, well, yeah, we're going to go with the, with the cheaper price, you know, like we're selling this house. So I had, I was still apprehensive, man. Cause I was like, I don't know this guy. He could go up there. He's got a great reputation, but you know, is he going to be one of those dudes? It's like, we get up there and it was supposed to be eight grand. And all of a sudden they walk away and it's 15 grand. And, you know, and I'm like, so you guys go up there, knock, knock it out of the park with this job. 
and the bill doesn't change at all. It's like, this is, this is what this is. Like we told you we're going to do it for this. And I was like, dude, slam dunk. Never, I'm never using anybody else again, ever. And for me, that was huge. Cause I come from the, I come from the construction trades. I was an electrician for 17 years. And you know, it's like, you know, your word is, your word is bond. And that goes huge, especially like in, in our little pocket of the world. Right. I mean, your, your word of mouth of the way that you work, how you work, how you interact with people's clients, like that kind of stuff will, you know, pay dividends beyond any kind of marketing or advertising around here. And so when that, when, when you did that, I was like, all right, this is, this is it, man. I like this guy. And I'm just, if I can control it, I'm not using anybody else, you know? So I want to have you on because like, I appreciated that so much from a tradesman to a tradesman. And it was like, I think people bank on any more like this change order world or like, oops, you didn't tell me I had to do that. And it's like, well, well, yeah, man. It's like, I don't know X, Y, and Z under the house. That's why I'm leaning on you to, you know, to do this. So I just, I wanted to have you on, man, to talk about what got you into it, your story. Cause, um, I mean, you've built a fucking hell of a business. I mean, you guys are winning awards. Like you talk to anybody in town and it's like, boom, boom, boom. So it's like, I'm, I'm so curious as like, you know, what got you into this and you know, what drove you to kind of starting this thing on your own. So, um, I mean, if you can, man, take us back a little bit and, you know, we'll, we'll dive into it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in Durango, um, went to high school, graduated, um, went down to play baseball in Lubbock, Texas, and um, just got it's so cheap to live. And it's a pretty cool town for Texas. And so I just got stuck there forever. And I was running bars and restaurants for about 13 years and um, ended up getting married and then had kids and kind of needed to get out of that life. And I really I didn't finish my schooling. I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do. And there was a company in Lubbock called Carpet Tech, and it was just this really big company. I had a bunch of good looking young dudes. They all had nice trucks. And I was always like, man, I wonder, I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> and so I applied, um, went in for an interview and they basically told me that I was too old, that they, um, you like to hire younger, which I don't even know if you can tell people that. Yeah, <laughs> but they were like, sure that's illegal <laughs> really. on all kinds of fronts, man. <laughs> but, um, I'd also applied for a job back in Durango with the train as a food and beverage manager and, um, came up for that interview six months after I'd applied at Carpet Tech and um, interviewed for that. And as I was driving back, I got a phone call from them. And they said, hey, we know you had an interview six months ago, but we're having two of our biggest guys leave and we need somebody that can step in and kind of take control right away. And this is a big company. There's probably 60 employees at the time. Now there's a lot more. But um, it was your basic carpet cleaning restoration company. Um, had branches in Lubbock and Amarillo and Clovis, New Mexico. And... Uh, so I started on with them, um, started basically as just a helper, just pulling hoses and getting chemicals and sweating all day in West Texas. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't take long to finally realize that, um, the restoration side was what I liked, um, fire and water damage, stuff like that, going in and helping people like in their worst times and being able to help them make it right again was a lot more fun than the carpet cleaning. So I kind of Started down that branch and um, spent four years as kind of a technician and kind of moved my way up. And after about eight years, I was running the water restoration branch of the entire company, overseeing the three different branches, a lot of driving, a lot of time away from my family, a lot of hours. But um, I liked it and yeah. I still love it. And so after eight and a half years, I always wanted to come back home. And um, I figured if I didn't do it, I wasn't ever going to do it. And so I 
put my notice in there and came up here and literally sold everything I owned and bought a van and started cleaning carpet. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that's, I learned everything down there. Um, it was, it was great. Their marketing was really good. So I took a lot of that. Um, just the way they did stuff. It, it was just something about West Texas, you know, it's yeah. farmers, kids, pretty honest people. And so it was kind of gave me a good platform to get started on. Yeah. I mean, if they've already created something that, you know, that works, I mean, I mean, you don't have to steal their model, but you can damn sure, yeah. you know, put it into practice in your own company. Exactly. So, so was the, how many guys do you have now working for you? So now I got seven Okay, and we'll go up to nine in the summer. We'll hire a couple of college kids or high school kids. Kind yeah. Of up so then, was, was the, the plan from the get go to kind of grow this business? I mean, I, that was the dream or was it like, I got to get out of Texas and this is what I know how to do. And I've been doing it for eight years and right. You know, cause like, I mean, you know, I've, I've gone to Texas and come back here and it's like, you know, by default, I'm a, I'm an electrician by trade. I hold a master's license. So it's like, shit, it's a fan. I can always go screw in a light bulb. Right. Yeah. You know, so I mean, sure. or, or was it like, I, I want to do this. I'm passionate about it. I want to be back home. And like, I think I can do, do what I'm passionate about back home and just gave it a run at it. Yeah. I mean, really that's, that's what it was. Um, you know, I, I spent 17 years in Lubbock and I always wanted to get back to Durango. I just didn't know how to do it. You know, I didn't have a degree. I didn't come for money. Didn't have any links up here. I, I was the last one on my family had all left when I was still in high school and I stayed. And so uh, <clears throat> it was really, I just, it was kind of just a bet, bet on myself. And like I said, we literally sold everything we owned and packed it, came up here. And I just planned, I was like, if I can make it through this year, yeah. I can get my name out there. And then, you know, before I knew it, I needed some help. And then I started thinking, well, maybe there's a way that I can stop cleaning carpet every day and we can get into restoration and just kind of. Just, just did its thing. Yeah. Yeah. Still figuring it out every day. Like still feels like I'm just getting started. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the work that you've uh, thankfully did, speaking of which I still owe you, you know, I'm not gonna let you, I'm not gonna let you give that to me. (laughs) Oh, come (laughs) on. That was like a, that was like a miscommunication and uh, you're such a good dude. You're like, nah, it's good. I'm like, no, it ain't man. Come on, dude. So, but uh, no, I mean, the work that you guys have done, I mean, it, it, it carries again. I'll say it, it pays dividends. I mean, your name in town, like, you know, nobody's got anything bad to say as far as, you know, your work, your work ethic and things like that. So, um, I mean, I, I think the company's kind of, you know, built off, off your back, obviously, and, and whatever you learned in Texas or, you know, whatever you learned as a kid and brought that into your work ethic and the way that you treat clients. I mean, I've, uh, I just, I was just thinking this morning when you're coming on the show, it's like I had a, you went out to a house of mine east of Bayfield and I couldn't be there. I, mean, I typically like to show up and at least say, you know, hey, Jeremy, how's it going? You know, what's going on? Hey, right. you know, do your thing. But I uh, couldn't make it. You showed up. You're like, I got it. No big deal. Client texts me. And, it's, and she's she was a little bit stuck up. I'll say it. Right. But, it, you know, she was just that kind of way. And so I texted her. I was like, everything good? Like Jeremy said, we're all we're squared away. Like nothing needs to happen. And she's like, yeah, super nice guy. Really scary at first. And I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> like, of the tattoos, you know? And yeah. I was like, hey, the first time I showed up at your door, like you called me and I was out in the boondocks walking a ranch with a guy and I was in short sleeves. I was like, you didn't judge me. So she's like, right. no, no, it's all good. She's like, I, I just wish you would have given me a heads up. I was like, about what? Like, I was like, he's out there to do the job. You I know, always so. try to like, whatever, especially if it's, you know, an older customer, I always knock on the door and kind of stand <laughs> to, <laughs> to little, my right. Because <laughs> I always tell the guys, because they're always like, man, you know, it'll be, you know, sometimes these ladies are in their 80s and they're home alone and. I'm, I'm a big guy. And then with the tattoos and I'm like, if, if they'll just give me 30 seconds, yeah, just give me 30 seconds. And then 
they'll let me babysit their kids. Sure. Most of the time, you know, but it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's, a, like it's it. a hurdle, man. I, uh, we had these customers in Dalton and um, same type thing. We were working on their crawl space and they went out of town for a week. And the first day we were there, I was walking around hauling some stuff out and their neighbors called them and they said, Hey, there's this big guy hauling stuff out the back of your house. He's covering tattoos. And she was like, that's Jeremy. And she's like, I would trust him in my house more than anybody else I know. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. He's dressed in all black. He's got, he's covering tattoos. Yeah, it's just, dude, the, the tattoo thing is, you know, it was, I, I fought the battle for a long time, dude. I had guys that worked for me. So I, I was, so I was with BP forever. I was okay. an electrician with them. And then, uh, you know, just kind of worked up through the ranks. I was a technician. Then I got a management position at this big corporation. And then I started my own company. And I had guys that worked for me that transitioned from, you know, that corporate world into my personal company. And I mean, with that corporate shit, I mean, I was buttoned up, sleeved mm-hmm. up, you know, and I mean, they paid me really good money and, you know, billion dollar corporation. So I'm like, I was like playing the part, right? Clean shaven, slick back, look like a real estate agent more than I look like that now. And so, <laughs> but I had guys that worked for me for almost a decade. Um, I showed up to my office when I had my electrical company and was in short sleeves, like a short sleeve, you know, button up dress shirt. And the guys were like, whoa, you have tattoos? I'm like, hey, this doesn't change shit, okay? Right. Right. I was like, remember, I was like, you, we can be buddies, but you still work for me. Like, yeah. you know, that like the cool thing, it only goes so far. Like we're, we're, we're past it, right? You know, yeah. so it's just like- Yeah, the same know. way as, you know, I was always in sleeve carpet tech. It was nothing could show, which sucks in the middle of summer because you're in long sleeves and everybody else is in short sleeves. And it's like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. It's, com- it's coming around though, man. I feel like, I mean, there's still- there's definitely times where yeah, if I got a client or something, I, I'll just, and I, and I hate it. Like this podcast, I, I make a purpose to, to always just kind of be myself. Right? right. I mean, it's like, I, what I say on here, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, people are going to love me and people are going to hate me. It is just what it is, but I'm, I'm being real on this show. Um, but there's definitely times like in the real estate world, I still have to kind of switch that hat and go, I'm going to go talk to a guy that's got a, you know, a $30 million ranch until he gets to know me. Maybe we just play the part a little yeah, bit, you know, and it's absolutely. like, it's kind of difficult at times, but I, you know what? I made, I made my bed, you know, it's, yeah. it's just like, if, if they judge me, then, you know, all right, that's, they, they have the right to judge, you know, and I, for whatever reason that is, but I feel like it's getting, you know, I mean, tattoos, like, I remember the first one I got was, dude, I mean, I, was, I don't even know if I've, well, I had to have been 18, but you know, I went, I went hard. I was in a rock band and dude, I was like, <laughs> and let's do it, you know, and like, whatever, bro, this is my life. And so I went, I went hard. I was like, boom, full sleeve. And like, I finished the top cause I didn't have any money, but then I'm like still like outlined down here. And people were like, Whoa, like that first tattoo I was like, yeah, let's go. Wow. Let's yeah. go. You know? And so, but you know, I did it to myself and, and, but it was, it was really weird. So like right at that, that time, you know, like the band was only probably really in existence for like three or four more years. And then it was like, I gotta get a job. You know, I'm having kids. Like, what do I do? And so then at that point, it was like, all right, everybody's going to take me serious. You know, and the oil and gas world is okay because you're always wearing long sleeves for FR anyways. But, I mean, when you're in the office, I was like, you know, I don't want anybody to know. And, like, so I started to, like, get this weird mentality about it. Where it's like, I didn't want to – I was afraid to, like, be myself, you know. Right. And it was was just – because I was just thought, like, you know, that judgment's going to not allow you to get to that next, like, advancement. You know, and it's like regardless of how smart you are or whatever – you know, right. it's like, but I, 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 either it's me growing older and I don't care 
or I've just realized like the world's not that way. I mean, people are going to judge you. Probably you know? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, and that's <clears throat> the whole neck thing. Uh, I'd always, I'd always made a joke that, um, I wanted to get a neck and a throat tattoo. And yeah. It's like, no, no, you can't. And finally my grandma was like, whenever you don't have to apply for a job ever again, you can do it. And so when I opened my company and it kind of got, got some legs under it and I felt like, you know, I've got a future in this, I got it done. And she was so mad. And she was, was like, mad. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. like, you told me that's grandma, if I didn't dude. have to apply for a job again, I could do it. Oh, that's... But, and to this day, she's like, whenever you want to get them removed, I'll pay for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, that is brutal, man. I've only watched like YouTube videos. Oh, it looks like. Oh, so dude, there's no brutal. way. No way. Yeah, I don't know. I worked at a tattoo shop. My last like stint with the band was 2009 or 10, probably 2010. And um, uh, I got laid off. But my boss at the time from that that company was like, yeah, we'll lay you off and give you a job attached to whatever. I was like, fucking cool, dude. I'm going to go play rock and roll music in Denver. And dude, it was no money. Like, you know, like whatever unemployment is now these days, I feel like they're getting so much more than, really? than I was getting back then. So I had to get like an under the table job at this tattoo. I was just slinging tattoos, working front desk. And man, we had kids come in that were like full on clean skin, no tat. And like, I want a spider on my hand. <laughs> and like, dude, I mean, I had people like legit get mad you know, and it was like, I would be like, nah, man, we can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean, dude? I'm paying like, ah, dude, here's the deal. You need to get more tattoos, get them to where people can see them and get comfortable. Cause like that shit is never going away. Yeah. You know, like on your hand, first tattoo, dude. But I had everything done before I did my hand last. And even Gus, my guy, he was like, are you ready for this? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, hands are a different thing. And I yeah. was like, and he's like, I'm just telling you. And sure enough, when I got it, I was like, it is, it is different. It's the first thing out the door, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, man. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to get my tattoo artist on, um, Tom Kip. He's, he used to be with your flesh, but now he's got his yeah, own spot. For sure. But, uh, we've been trying to kind of schedule the the show, but you know, he was, he, he was like really crucial to me because when, when I, you know, same thing, dude, 18 years old, I'm like, dude, I want to down here, you know, and like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, man. I'm going to be real with you. He's like, I, I know I'm covered, but he's like, I bought into this life 20 years ago. Right. You know, he's like, I, I'm in it. And he's like, and this was at a time where I, I don't think, you know, people were starting to get tattooed, but it was still like in you know, 2010, like people were like, whoa, you know, it was like a little bit, a little bit more kind of rough around the edges. Right. Yeah. Kind of on the front end. Yeah. Of it. And yeah. so he was like, I think we ought to come up like one inch. So that way you can always have like a watch on, like you might get a mortgage one day, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, yeah. All right, man. I'll, I'll, I'll trust you. And so he, he kind of talked me off the ledge and, you know, I was ready, dude. I was like, no, nah, man, I want to do the knuckles. And like, you know, I love this. Like, this is the life, you know, he's like, no, I wouldn't do that, man. <laughs> I would back away. So what did you play in the band? Uh, so I just sang. In that oh, nice. Band. Yep. Cool. I was a singer. Uh, we're still, I mean, we still make music, but we all live in different parts of the state. And so we, we kind of just do, you know, we'll send files back and forth. It nice. takes a year and a half to write a single song that way. Right. But, uh, but yeah, man, we, we still, I mean, we're all best friends and, you know, I mean, it was like, we still have a love for it, but you know, everybody's got a family. Everybody's got, yeah. so it's like, you know, we, we, uh, we toured, man, we toured heavy for, I mean, we wrote albums and toured for a solid like four years, you know, like, you know, a couple of times, like in a band for, you know, four or five months at a time. And, you know, we, we gave it, we gave it our all, you know, I never knew that. Yeah. And like, even up in Denver, that was our last deal. And, um, yeah, man, Denver at that time, you know, I don't know what the music scene's like, but Denver at that time was not, there was like this weird, like electronica 
um, it was like mixed between like rock and electronic kind of coming together. It wasn't like DJ music, right. but it was like a lot of samples. And, and we, I mean, we played, like we got compared all the time to like Coheed and Cambria. And that was kind of the vein of music that we were in like progressive rock. Right. And, uh, we would get put on these shows and like, it would be packed and like, we'd play, it didn't matter what order, like open, close. And like, people just didn't get it. It just wasn't the scene. And like, we fought and struggled up there, yeah. you know, and we were all so pro in Denver, so fucking expensive, man. And so we, uh, yeah, we just, we got to a point and then I was just burnt out, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like we, we played for, so we started, yeah, we started in 03 and then basically disbanded in 2011 and kept writing, you know, but so anyways, I, uh, I just was like overnight, like I'm done with the band, dude. I love you guys. Appreciate it. We recorded four albums. Yeah, that's super a, awesome. That's a we run. toured a lot. And, uh, my wife and I bought this like hippie van, like a Volkswagen. We were like, yeah, we're going to just travel around the country and just, <laughs> and we made it, um, as far as, uh, we made it, where do we get to? Um, not San Luis. Yeah. San, no, San Onofre State Park in California. It's mm -hmm. like, there's like huge, like, uh, nuclear reactors there kind of look like boobs on the ocean. And uh, we're there and we hit, we went to Arizona, partied so fucking hard with some buddies, then went to Vegas, partied even harder and drove like so hungover, finally made it to California. We're camping out and my wife's just like sick. She's like, dude, I feel terrible. I was like, I mean, babe, we've been partying for a week straight. Let's just stay here for two, three nights. And so anyways, like she's like talking to her mom, right? And she's like, I just don't feel good. And her mom's like, oh, you're pregnant. She's like, no. Not a fucking chance. No way. <laughs> you know? And so at that point in time, we had already been married for seven years. We thought we couldn't have kids. I mean, we tried uh, and, or, you know, accidentally tried. Uh, and so, yeah. So she, she does a pregnancy test and we're, we're pregnant. And like, that was the switch. And her dad at that time was out in California visiting um, her grandmother. So we drove from basically San Diego all the way up to like, um, probably like North, like North California, like that, that kind of area. And we stayed there for like three days and I was like in freak out mode. Yeah. I was like, dude, I am a fucking loser. I got to get working. Like what's going on? And I had already done electrical work, but like, I, you know, I was only ever an apprentice. Like made enough money. I didn't want to get my, my journeyman's license and all this shit. So I freak out and we like beeline at home. And that was when like Kyle went super serious mode. I got to work. I got guy responsibilities. And yeah. you know, so that pretty much, you know, stifled any kind of music. At that point, I was like, I got to at least get a life set up for this kid, yeah. you know? In hindsight, you can have a baby and still play music and go oh, on yeah. tour and do all kinds of stuff, right? But at that moment in my head, I was like, you know, I was 27, freaking out. Like, yeah. what am I doing, man? I don't have a career, so. Yeah, no, the same way. So I was running bars forever. <clears throat> Loved it. Was kind of worked my way up to where I was running three bars there in Lubbock, which is a big college town, and. I thought that was the shit. That was the life. And then the minute Wrigley was born, I was like, I can't, I need, I can't do this, which was terrifying because I had no experience doing anything else. That's yeah. all I'd have ever done. You know, I dropped out of college after I lost my scholarship. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to do something. And that's how I fell into it. Yeah. It's it's funny how it, how it works. Oh, man, dude, that, uh, that little kid thing, that will, <laughs> <laughs> that will, that will throw a wrench into the system real fast, man. Yeah. And you're just, you got to get your shit together, man. It's, it's pretty amazing though. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, I'm pretty yeah. sure you're, you're in the same oh, yeah. boat and it's like, you know, when you're, when you're in the heat of the battle, you're like, I got to get this thing. And it's like, man, whatever that, whatever that desire to protect is, I mean, it, it drives you to do things that you thought were completely 
you know, right. that you were incapable of, right? Or that were a hundred percent insurmountable. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you look back at it 10 years later, you're like, oh man, like I just needed somebody or something to light a fire under my ass to get my shit together. You yeah. Know? It's pretty yeah. wild. And so what, you went to college mm-hmm. in Lubbock for baseball? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. What position did you play? I pitched. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a scholarship out of Durango or did you have mm-hmm. to go JUCO? No, no. I was I graduated in 98 and I uh, had a really good friend of mine, Clay, that was down in Snyder, Texas. We'd always played summer ball together and stuff. And uh, there's a college in Lubbock called Lubbock Christian and it's NAIA. It's a private school, but mm-hmm. crazy good baseball program. And it's pretty much all a bunch of Division One players that either couldn't make grades, got caught doing drugs. It's like a bunch of Division One flunk outs at this Christian college in Lubbock <laughs> yeah. that are just ballers. And I was like, man, I don't know. And he's like, come down here, check it out. He's like, I guarantee you can get a scholarship. He's like, just come down here. So I took a trip down there and got a tryout with the coach and threw for 20, 30 minutes. And he was like, all right, you want to play? You can play. It's like, I didn't want to go to college. I hated school. I I remember when I graduated, I was like, I never have to go to school again. Yes. (laughs) And then then my grandma was like, Jeremy, you'd be an idiot not to. I mean, it's free school and you get to play baseball. And um, so I was like, all right. We gave it a shot. It was fun. I hurt my shoulder after a year and a half. Mm. And it was kind of the point where I could either have surgery and maybe be able to keep playing, or I could not have surgery, let it heal on its own, and be able to throw with my kids when I got yeah. older. And, you know, I'd played for a year and a half. I wasn't going to the pros or anything. Sure. I was like, ah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, that pro circuit, though, that, well, I, w- I would say not even the pro circuit, but that, like, minor league circuit. I got a couple buddies that, you know, they went from the Bayfield program kind of 2002 to maybe 2006. And, um, you know, it was Coach Hibbert at the time. Oh, and yeah. They, dude, he, uh, he built a really solid program for Bayfield. And a lot of those kids, they, most of them had to go JUCO first, but it was like one year at JUCO and then they were up in the minors. And a couple of them, dude, it was like, you know, you talk to them and it's like, that minor league shit is brutal, It's dude. brutal. It's not fun. No. College wasn't fun. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a job. It it wasn't fun. Yeah. I, I didn't really enjoy yeah. it, honestly. Yeah. It was cool to be able to say I played college ball, but I'm like, man, it was different. Yeah, I can and, only imagine, man. I had a um, – so I played football. I, I I played – my favorite sport was baseball. When I moved here, I was so burnt out because I grew up in Louisiana. So I grew up in West Monroe, which is like northeast Louisiana. And you can basically play – I mean, you're, you're playing three seasons baseball. Right. Probably, right. I mean, if you're good, you're playing even more than that because you'll make it to all-stars or whatever you want – whatever they call it. Um, but man, I was burnt. Like we moved from there to here and I was like three seasons of baseball from the time that I was seven years old. I was like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Like I'm, I love baseball, but I'm spent and, uh, missed the first tryout. Coach Hibbert's like, dude, you gotta come try out. Like, come on, man. And I'm like, all right, I'll set up another one. I freaking ghosted him. Still love me. Right. <laughs> after, but he was like, dude, I can't wait. I was like, I just, I don't want to play anymore, man. I was like, I can't. So I went all into football and, um, I got an offer to go play at, uh, Nebraska Kearney. And I mean, it's like, you know, uh, an RMAC school or something like that. And, uh, I was talking, we were, so we, at that point in time, I had started playing in the band, you know, and I was like, oh, this is fun. I love music and all this stuff. And then I talked to our guitarist at that time, his, his, uh, his brother-in-law and he had played at the same school. And so he was like, you know, he was probably, you know, three, four inches taller than me, thicker than me. We played the same position. I was faster than him, but he's like, dude, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get hurt. Like he, you know, and he's like, and the other thing, the fun's done. He's like, when the season ends, you're in the fucking gym in two days and you're working for next season. 
and you're constantly lifting it. And he's like, it's no, it's no longer a fun sport. It's like a job, it's a job. at college. Yep. Plus you got grades and plus you got all the, and I'm like, and like that conversation stuck with me and I was like, I'm, I'm good. I don't want, and it was probably because of the band too. I was having fun and right. trying to chase girls and stuff, you know, but Shit, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I, yeah, dude. Oh, dude. And Kearney, oh, dude, no, <laughs> no, maybe if I got like a ride or something at the Ford, I might've played or at right. least, you know, sat the bench, but, um, that's interesting. So, uh, so yeah, so what's, um, you know, I saw, I, I, I didn't realize that you had made the move, but I, I like, I thought honestly, like you were doing a bunch of jobs up in Silverton right. and I'm like seeing you like on, you know, Instagram or whatever. And it's like, you're driving the, you know, it's a great job to work. So, I mean, yeah. So you're, are you up there full time yeah. in Silverton? Yeah. Nice. It, um, I think the 15th will be a year. Oh, damn. Yeah. How you like it? I love it. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I ever come back. Like, <laughs> That's good, I, do. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it would scare the shit. I don't know, man. It's, it's such a, we, you know, it's, we, it, that seems way different. It's I mean, different. It's, how many people are there? It just depends. Like right now it's right around, I want to say it's right around 300. Um, the summertime it goes up to, I'm talking about ass. Yeah. I don't know, but I'd say seven, 800. And then, you know, with tourism and stuff. But I mean, yeah. like right now it's a, it's a quiet place. Yeah, I was going to say, it's gotta be crickets. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty solitary person. And so I'd always wanted to live up there. I just never really had the chance or the ability. And I finally got to the point where the company was, you know, I still work every day and I'm still in control of everything, but I, I was such a workaholic. I would just thought I could never do anything but work seven to eight, seven days a week. And if I didn't do that, then everything was going to fall apart. Sure. And I finally, it's like, all right, I can, I can let go a little bit. I did a ketamine treatment um, program and oh, nice. it, it was, it changed a lot of things. Just your perspective. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And so, uh, so I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And, if I always say people in Silverton, nobody's up there just because like everybody's there for a reason. Sure. Like nobody's like, Oh, I just ended up in Silverton. Like <laughs> we're yeah. all there for a reason, yeah. whether we're hiding or we're, you know, trying to not be seen, you know, that was my thing. I, I wanted to go somewhere where I, nobody really knew me. Sure. Yeah. Um, you got that anonymity kind of, yeah, at least yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Just for a little mm. bit and just kind of reset. And it's been awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, was it kind of, uh, you know, you, so you talk about the ketamine treatment. So was it, it, was it a situation where you just had to get out of Durango as far as like, it was just too much? Like, I mean, you know, cause I, I, I think there's a lot of similarities. Like right before I had to shut my company down, man, it was like, I didn't want to go into Durango, man. You know, it was like, there was a lot of things going on, like financially speaking and we had to file bankruptcy and all this shit. I just felt embarrassed. But, um, but I, yeah, I was like, I didn't want to go to the grocery store. Cause I was like, I, I didn't want to bump into a client. I didn't want to bump into the people. I didn't want to bump into my guys, right? you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, we, did you just, you, you hit that wall of like kind of a little burnout or what? Yeah. It wasn't like, I hate saying that I needed to go out of Durango cause Durango is always going to be like my favorite place. But, um, you know, going through a divorce and then having the company and it, it just got, I couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't, and I, and I love everybody. Like I love, I love the community, but I just, I, like I said, I'm a real solitary person. And, um, I just wanted to go somewhere I could go home or I could go somewhere and just not, just yeah. not be me. You know? I mean, it was, that's huge. I mean, like that, 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 I mean, I imagine like, you know, that, that was one of the good, probably one of the better things about Texas, which was like, it sucked having to drive an hour and a half one way, like in oil fields. Yeah. But man, like if you had a shit day, this is a long time to think on it. Yep. Sometimes dwell on it, but also like decompress. So you like leave it at the doormat. You don't yeah. bring it in and like. You're not pissed at your kids. No, so like I'm, I imagine for you, man. And that's, 
better than any view that Texas will ever, you yeah. know? So I yeah. mean, I imagine it's probably good, you know, just that like, sometimes you got to get away from work and, and it's not, yeah. Like going back to the, your comment about Durango, I don't mean like get away from Durango, but right. like just, you know, get away from like everything. Like, cause it's like, you know, I imagine like at, at a certain point, like the company, like whether it was your marriage company, kids, everything that kind of starts to define who you are, right. which is fine in certain aspects, but it's like, I mean, you are more than that, you know? So it's like, I, I imagine getting up there and getting to Silverton and kind of like, it's a good reset to be Realizing, like, I am yeah. a person outside of all that other stuff too. Yeah. I catch myself at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, separating screws and bolts at the shop. Oh fuck. You, <laughs> go home, man. Like, the world's not going to end if you go. And that's, that's how I felt. And so I needed to force myself yeah. to, to get out there. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been a total reset. Yeah. I can imagine, man. That's, that's pretty wild. So the, 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 uh, the ketamine treatment, can you, can you talk about that a little bit? It's like, so what's, uh, what, what sparked that? Is that local or did you have to go somewhere? Yeah, like, no, it's local. Um, it's a funny story. So I'm bipolar. I have bipolar one. I was diagnosed say six years ago. Um, so I've struggled with my whole life. Like whenever I was diagnosed, my whole family was like, well, yeah, we knew that. Mm. It's like, well, Thanks for telling me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> what been nice to yeah. give me a heads up. And so, uh, so I, you know, I struggled with that. I'm trying to get it in line and that kind of explained a lot of reasons of the way I was and stuff, good and bad, you know, being manic and being able to just work and just concentrate and just hustle, you know, but then it has the bad parts too, the depression. And I was having a really hard time and, um, on Facebook, they hear everything. And so I'd been looking into it and there's, these like, weird ketamine treatments online that like kind of sketchy, like, Oh, you know, we'll send you these pills, go put this eye mask on, lay in a hotel for a night and you'll feel so much better. And I was so desperate. I was, I was going to try it. And I was literally on the website looking at it. And my friend Ashley calls me and, um, she had been struggling herself with some stuff. And she was like, I got something I got to tell you about. And I was like, well, we started talking and she brought up ketamine. And I was like, Ashley, I'm in my front yard right now on a website about it. She goes, don't, there's a doctor in Durango, go in there and talk to him. And, um, it was just crazy. Cause I was literally about to order these pills from Canada and go yeah. lock myself in a hotel. Oh God, <laughs> you know, I have no yeah. idea what was going to happen. And so, uh, so it's called four corners ketamine and you go in there and you do an evaluation and, um, he's amazing. And, uh, he just, he talks to you and tells you if it's for you or if it's not, um, bipolar was one of the things he was kind of uncomfortable because bipolar is the one mental illness that they don't know what causes it and they don't know how to fix it. And it's really the only one that they can't like, they don't have a clue about Yeah, because it's so different. And, um, he was like, I'm not sure, but I, I have a feeling it's going to help you. And so you sign up for a two week regimen and you do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for three hours over those two weeks. And it just, it's crazy. It, it's like a reset. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. That fifth and sixth time you're exhausted. That's what I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it and done a little bit of research. Cause I mean, I, I just was really curious about it. You know, I mean, I think about ketamine, it's like, Oh, it's a dog tranquilizer, you know, but right, I mean, yeah. and I think a lot, there's a huge stigma around it, but, um, looking at and listening, you know, hearing people talk and they're like, dude, it's like, you got to put in the work. And I'm like, what do you mean put in the work? Oh, man. You know, but it's like, 
So is it like, is it like painful in your body or is it just like you're, you're in your head? And it's just a to, lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, the first two, three times, it's like the most beautiful thing I'd ever done. Yeah. But then walking in the fifth time, I was like, nah, I don't know. If I, <laughs> I mean, it just, it turns you inside out. Really? And they found it or they started real notice in Vietnam that they had um, soldiers that some that they were. Um, like had like PTSD or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. They were using it as a, I'm looking for the word. Anest anesthesia okay yeah and they had different ones but they noticed the soldiers that were using the ketamine as anesthesia were having significantly less ptsd mm -hmm. and they couldn't really explain it but that's when they started to kind of notice it yeah and you know big pharma it's stuff yeah. like this gets hidden and um yeah and purpose, that's why i was blown yeah. away when she was like yeah there's a doctor here dr kaplan and i was like in durango yeah and so so yeah so um it it it's it's different for everybody. I've seen, I've walked by rooms and I've seen older guys sitting there with their eyes open, like completely with it. And then like me, like I'm, it's Ivy. So the minute it hits you and then the minute it's over, it's over. There's no yeah. hangover. There's no, but, uh, but is yeah. It, is there somebody in the room kind of mm -hmm. working you through it? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So you're completely monitored. Um, great nurses. They check on you. Every but, but I mean, I mean from like a, from a, uh, more of like a, not a psychiatrist type stuff, but somebody kind of like, is it, is it like an ayahuasca thing where you've got a, no. you've got a person there with you kind of working you through this I'm thing? sure you could if you needed it. Um, he, he's funny. He's got these huge shepherd dogs that are always in the rooms yeah. and that's kind of comforting, but no, it's mainly, um, he talks to you before and kind of plants a seed in your head about what you're going to experience this time. Okay. And, um, and then when you wake up, he'll sit down with you for a half hour or so till you kind of get back with it and you'll talk and journal and. And he's amazing because I don't know how many patients he has, but I mean, to this day, like he asks me about my family, he gives me a hug. He'd like, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. That's wild. That's so crazy. You know, I had no, no idea. We'll have to, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll link, link that in the show notes. I mean, in case somebody's, you know, cause I mean, I, you know, I, I, I struggle and I've talked about a ton of times on this show. It's like, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say that I, I struggle with mental illness, but like, I think I'm more aware of it anymore. Like in in my life as far as depression, right? you know, and it's like, and I, I think that I, I drove myself into that, like that point of depression by like kind of blocking everything out. Right. It's like, right. this is the photo. And it's like, when all of a sudden that like pinnacle point doesn't work or it alters or some shit, it's like, you're just sitting there like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Like, yeah. what's going on? I'm a failure. I'm a did it. And it just, it just puts you further and further. And so it's like, I've had some moments where it was like, there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, okay, all right, you, you're okay. You're going to survive. Uh, but that's how I kind of got, you know, like looking into like, not necessarily like treatments, but like hearing people talk about it, like, what is this? And like other folks that are suffering with, you know, with, with depression. And it's like, man, this was, it was good for me. It was, it, it made me like realize like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you're not perfect. You know, we're not infallible. We're all human beings. Well, that's like, the thing is, like, man, I mean, it's, I'm, that's. I'm as open about it as I am because of that. Cause there's so many people struggling and especially as a man, as a father, as a, a leader of your family, you don't want, you don't want people to know that. Sure. You, know, you want to be strong. You don't want your kids to know that. You don't want your wife to know that or whatever, you know, you want to be strong and you want to be that pillar. And so many guys are just struggle with it. And I think a lot more kind of like tattoos over the last five, 10 years, it's starting to come into the light and, you know, being more talked about. Stuff like that. And and that's what I've had three people that I've personally paid for to go to do it because I'm that, I believe in it that strongly. Wow. That's and crazy. these were people that were 
family and good friends of mine that I knew were struggling. Like she, when she called me, she knew how bad I was and she was too. And it's, it, it changes it. That's crazy. How did, how did those folks, did they have a good experience? Yeah. Yeah. So what it is, um, and that's wild, dude. I'm so, I'm yeah. so, I, I'm going to look into this way it, more. Cause I'm just, you know, it seems like there's just so many people, man. There's, I talked about it. I had to, like some guests on the other day and I was like, man, 10 years ago, there's no way that I would hop on this mic and be like, yeah, I mean, I do from time to time, man, I, I get in the, I get in a slump. I, I'm, I'm because you're, you're right. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you, you know, you're this father figure, right. For your kids and you got to be strong and you got to be attractive and skinny and intelligent for your wife. And you've got to care for her. And, and, and it's like, but the whole world, you're trying to prop it up on your fucking shoulders. And it's like, I'm just a human being. Right. Like I make mistakes, yep. you know, and I have emotions too. But I was just saying like 10 years ago, there's no way I would have ever hopped on a microphone and said this publicly, right. you know? And so, I mean, that's, that's huge, man. That's, that's a big deal. Like I had no idea that, I, I don't know if like, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like a private practice, but I had no idea that there was that kind of treatment in Durango. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. And, it, and it's not just like, um, you know, you're not just going in there, like you're eating a bunch of mushrooms and just tripping out. Yeah. There's, um, it's kind of like, especially bipolar you, and depression too, you start getting parts of your brain that aren't firing the way they should Yeah, kind of shutting down. And then once it starts, it's kind of like the spiral of where your, your brain just kind of gets used to not firing. It gets worse and worse. Well, it's this chemical called glutamate. And that's kind of what your neurons and everything use as fuel to fire. And what this does is it releases massive amounts of glutamate. So it's like jumpstarting everything in your brain all at once. And so it reopens all these passageways that haven't been firing for since I, you, you were a kid. Yeah. And it, it's like jumpstarts your brain. And so the minute you come out, like you just, everything's different. It's, it's not, you know, you don't, I mean, some people do, but it's not like I was hallucinating and seeing people and talking to people. It mm. was just this, like I woke up and I was just like, man, hmm. this, this feels different. And after crazy. six sessions of it, it, it completely, I won't say that I'm cured because there's no cure for bipolar, but i is this, is this something that you keep, you think you'll keep practicing? I mean, like, or is it, is it like more of a one and done to get you? Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, so you do your six sessions and then they offer boosters. So like you start feeling bad, you start kind of feeling yourself slipping, you go in for a little booster and it, it kind of refires everything. Yeah. Um, I was struggling and I was actually taking the family to Disneyland and before it, I was, I could feel myself kind of slipping. I was like, man, I don't want to have a bad you know, trip. And so I went in there and I talked to him and he's like, let's go. And he was like, this is what it's for. And I haven't done it since it's been a year and a half or so. And I haven't needed it. Yeah. Um, but some people, some people go in every six months Some people go in every three months, you know, everybody's different, hmm. but I, I don't feel like I'll ever really need it again. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got you on the path. I mean, I imagine, you know, your, your life changes and things kind of, you know, I mean, I had to say like maybe needed to happen, but sometimes it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like almost like you get to open it up. You yeah. know, it's like, and that's amazing, dude. That's, um, yeah, I've been, I've been, I did a ton of research on, on, uh, on ayahuasca and I'm, you know, I, I'm still really intrigued about that because it's like, you know, I've talked to a lot of buddies and like, you know, every, every trip I've ever had in my life, it's never, I've never been one to like, be like, let's take an entire eighth of whatever. 
and let's just go off the planet. Right. It's like, I want to get something out of it. I want to become a better person at the end of that, that, that deal, you know? And so it's like, for me, it's like, I hear people be like, you got to put in the work and that, con that, that phrase with ketamine treatments is always just like, you got to, you're going to have to put in yeah, the work. Dude, yeah. And like, the more I hear people talk about like ayahuasca and things like that, it's like, dude, this is a, this is not fun. Right. Like, this is a fucking struggle to get through this, but you will come out profitable in, in a sense of that word, you know, yeah. like on the other end. And so the, those kinds of treatments, I think for some weird way, I mean, like, you know, like you said, big pharma, I mean, they're, they're squashed. It's like, no, nah, this, this is not good. Or, you know, it's some kook in a, in an alleyway, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of what you hear, but it's, you know, it's great to see that a, it's got real life results for you and the positive and it's here local, you know, yeah. it's like, if people are still struggling, they can do this. I mean, I don't think you can just go on an ayahuasca trip at, you know, the holiday No, I'm or super something. intrigued by it. I really am. Yeah. No, and this was, and that's what the evaluation's for. It's not for, it's for people that have tried everything mm -hmm. and you're on your last. I mean, I was on my last leg. I guy was a wreck and, uh, and he was like, and he told me, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to fix you. And I was like, doc, you don't even know me. He's like, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to fix you. And I was like, you can't just tell people that. Yeah. And then after my third treatment, I was just like, this is unbelievable. <sighs> That's wild. And he, and he's, I mean, he's in jeans. He's in, he's an old war vet. He's down to earth, cusses like a sailor, funny as shit. Um, but he just, he's saving people. And it's, it sounds crazy, but it's the way he cares for everybody. Yeah. It's, it's wild. No, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty biased when it comes to that stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big, you know, like pill taker. I'm not a guy that goes to the doctors unless I absolutely have to. You know, my wife will always bitch at me. She's like, you go to the doctors. And then it's like, if I hear it from somebody else, I, I end up going right when it's too far gone. But I mean, I, I think alternative healing is like, you know, it gets a bad rap, but I've, I mean, I've always been a huge proponent of it. It's like, I, I don't think that shoving more and more pills down your throat right. is, is the answer. I mean, it, it's just going to block it. Right. Yeah. And I'm still, I still take medication. I will for the rest of my life just because of the nature of, of what I have. But, um, I don't know. It's just, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Wow. That's wild. So yeah. did you buy a place up in Silverton? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, still, I mean, I'm, so I'm actually getting my real estate license. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. So I started studying for that. Um, I'm being pulled. God, I love Ridgeway. I really like Ridgeway a lot. I don't know why, yeah. but, um, but I love Silverton too, man. I, I don't know. I just haven't, I found a really cool little, little apartment and um, it's good for me and the kids and, Right now, I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Ridgeway's awesome, man. I spent some I spent some time up there. Mia, so my brother and I for I don't even know how the hell it happened, but we ended up doing a huge remodel in the Avon Hotel. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were there, and that was like when the 416 fire started. So we were trapped in Silverton. Right. Yeah. And so we like they opened up the road. We were there for like a weekend, came back, and then they opened the road. So we just took our camper because they're like, dude, you're going to be trapped. Yeah. So we just stayed in Silverton for like three months. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, partied hard. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun town in the summer. It man. is fun <laughs> so, in the summer. And then at the Avon, it was like, yeah. we weren't even done. And Daniel's like serving beers, you know. I'm like, dude, are you even able to do this? He's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, we did Thanksgiving <laughs> at the Avon. It was uh, a hoot. Oh, uh, Dan's a trip. Um, but yeah, so then after that, we, we ended up getting this um, – big job in Ridgeway on this mansion. It was like a 50,000 square foot mansion oh, and we were wow. changing all the lighting program. So we stayed on that ranch in one of the guest house, my brother and I, and it was supposed to be like a two week job and it turned into like four and a half months. And so we spent a lot of time. And so we were coming back every weekend and sometimes the wife and kids would go up there, but like Ridgeway has got this really cool vibe, man. I, I don't does. know what it is. Like, 
it's it's slower paced, you know. I mean, the only time it's not slower paced is like when when the workers are coming from Montrose through to Telluride, right? right? Like once that's all settled, like all the people in the town, it's just it's just quiet, you know. It's got a little bit of amenities here and there, but we were we were like, I mean, if I wouldn't have got that job in Texas to go back to work for BP, we were moving to Ridgeway. Yeah, like we were one hundred percent. Like we same thing. You know, I got to get out of Durango. I just, I want to start fresh, yeah. you know? And it's like Ridgeway was, it was cool, man. We spent a bunch of time there. So Yeah. When I was a kid, it was a gas station and a few, I mean, it was, it was hardly anything. Yeah. And so, and of course, when I was a kid, Durango was different. And so you're always trying to kind of catch that, that next, you know, I want to get into the place when yeah. it's still. And then, so that's kind of, that's what I'm thinking. But man, I don't know. I love Durango. I love Silverton. I don't know. Yeah. So How far along are you on getting your real estate license? Oh, a long ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I've gone through, I've gone through probably like 14 units. It's a lot of vocab, man. A Dude, lot yeah. of, that I feel like I'm never going to use. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just a real, uh, yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I guess I shouldn't slam it, but I would say just like any other state test, having, holding a master's license, holding a journeyman's electrical license, a real estate's license. Half that book is bullshit, you know? I mean, it's, you know, you 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 don't really learn until you kind of get into it. And then you learn from your peers, right? Right. Like, I just had a call today because it was like, we were, we were talking about land banking something. So I called a buddy and was like, you know, how do we get a look at this and how do we value? And it's like, you, you don't know until you, you know, you get the opportunity to do that little nuance, right, of this job, right. you know? And it's like, some of these guys are doing it for like 22 years, you know, 25, 30 years. And they're like, it changes daily. You know, and then the industry changes. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, half that book is just, they want you to pay the money. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the same thing with electrical. It's, dude. it's, it's like, that way with you can, everything. You can, you can opt anymore to, to just take the credits and you pay money. And it's like the easiest like pass. So this is like, all right, well, I'll just, instead of doing all that bullshit, let me just pay you $300. Yeah. And they're like, all right, cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what the hell, you know? So, well, that, that's how it is in our, our industry too. It's like, you know, we have all these certifications but if you don't take a continuing credit every year, then they'll all your certification. I'm like, I didn't forget how to do all this stuff because I yeah. didn't take a dry cleaning drapes class this year. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I've taken all the classes. There's not a whole lot more to take. Yeah. Well, if you don't take one every year, I'm like, same thing. Can I give you 700 bucks? And we yeah. just call like, I don't want to go to Marietta, Georgia and spend a week there learning how to, you know, do my job over again. It's like, I've been drying out <laughs> houses for 15 years. Oh, that, like, I didn't realize you guys had to be licensed. That's pretty crazy. Is it because of the chemicals you, and everything? You don't. Oh, okay. but in order to be insured, oh, um, yeah. in order to, and, and I mean, it's just, you gotta know what you're doing, mm. but yeah, in Colorado really, you don't Dude, That's what's wild. So my, my wife has a, uh, I was talking to her the other day, so she's got an interior design company and we were, we were talking about electric, you know, like basically MEC trades, like mechanical plumbing, electricity, and, and all those have to be you know, license and everything. And she's, she, she was confused. Cause she's like, well, they, they don't have a general contractor's license. I was like, you don't have to have a general contractor's license in Colorado. She's like, what? She's like, wait, hold on, wait a second. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to be, you can yeah. be any, you know, swing a dick and just be out there and be like, yeah, I'm a general contractor. Let's do this. Home she's like, what? Same way. I was like, man, dude, I was like, I was like, you didn't know that. She's like, no, she's like, I had to get all these certs and all this stuff to be able to do interior design. Right. And like, I could go build a house with nothing. I'm like, yeah. Like that's yeah. the crazy shit, you know, that's, I mean, all this, I guess the, the, you know, safety and life threatening stuff, you know, yeah. plumbing, mechanics, things like that, that could kill somebody. But I'm like, a house could collapse. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, so it's like, it's wild that you don't have to have that. But New Mexico is way, are you guys licensed in New Mexico? Um, we do. We don't do enough business right now to yeah. be licensed, but we're on the way. Dude, they are sticklers, yeah. man. Dude, it's, that was, that was like hard. We had, we got our license down there. Um, my, my old partner with my previous company, he had a master's license down there, but you got to have like your E98 and then like, it's a, it's a dude, it's a, it's probably a money racket for sure, but it's right. difficult, man. Yeah. And like you got to be bonded at a certain level. And I was like, what the fuck is bonding? And they're right. like, yeah, I mean, you got to hold a million dollar bond. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we have insurance. They're like, no, you need Not a bond. Same thing. I know. Like if you, if you mess something up, we're going to call upon your bond. And so, yeah, the whole bond world, dude, Yeah, that's, that's intense. Yeah. It's never made sense to me. But dude, if you have to call upon a bond, which I had to, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. I'm sure. <laughs> You talk about people running scared, dude, every one of your vendors. Cause like the moment you call upon that bond, dude, if you owe anybody, any like any accounts, doesn't matter how big or small, dude, frozen. Everyone. Yes, dude. <laughs> if, if you're listening, if you have to call upon a bond, run to the bank as fast as you can <laughs> and just operate on cash for six months. Oh man, that was such a brutal time in my life. God. Yeah. So, so what's, uh, I mean, what's, what's next, man? Are you... Are you kind of trying to hand the the reins off? Are you going to open up another shop somewhere? Like what's um, what's kind of in the next, you know, three to five? We're kind of, it's kind of in that point. We've, we've started a, a Farmington branch, mm -hmm. which I've had two awesome employees. John's been with me. I want to say kill me, but I want to say three years. And he's driven from Farmington every day. Never misses a day. He's never late. And um, then his friend Wes started with this probably about a year and a maybe year and a half, maybe two years ago. Same thing. I mean, just solid guys. Yeah. Like I said, they never, never miss work. And so finally we started getting busy and I started getting calls. I was like, man, what if we could make it to where you guys could stay home and, you know, be with your family at five o'clock and not driving every day and spending God knows how much in gas. And so, uh, we just kind of started quietly. Um, and we're still, I mean, it's, it's different. It's a different market. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It wasn't, I guess Durango, cause I grew up here was a big thing that helped and, mm. I don't know. It's just different. But so, yeah, so we're getting a Farmington shop going after that. I really don't know. Um, we've entertained putting a van or two in Telluride just because we've been asked to by everybody in Telluride because yeah. we go there a lot. And um, so, and that's kind of the Ridgeway thing. It's like, well, you know, maybe if we open a shop in Ridgeway, then we can service Montrose and Telluride. And um, but then again, it's like, man, I don't know. Yeah, that's a you know it, it's kind of the same thing as when I went from just me and my van to you know adding employees. You know, it was a big step, and I'm like, it's a huge step, man. Yeah, I mean, and everything's good right now. You know, it, we were stable, and I've got a great crew that's been with me for years. And it's like, man, do I really want to go start over again? Yeah. And but at the same time, it's like, man, you, you're building something that you're going to leave your family and. And you're helping the community. I mean, that's the biggest part is just these people need service. Yeah. And and to be able to go up there and give it to them and then be like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. It means a lot. Yeah, for sure. So it's, we'll see. That's that weird. That's that weird position, man, where you're like, you want to grow. Because I, I don't know how it is for you, but like, I, I, you know, I wanted to prove it to myself kind of that I was worthy and I could build this thing that I, you know, I, I knew that I could just do it. Right. And then also like getting to that level of, you know, I think when we shut our doors, we had 20 some odd guys and it was like, then you get away from it. And it was just me and my brother and my, like both on our tools. And I'm like, I was just talking to a buddy today. He's like, dude, I, I wish I could get back to just five guys, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but 
But do you? I mean, yeah, the, the headaches are there for sure. But even with the five guys, the headaches, it's easier to manage. you got right. less headaches. But I'm like, you know, I, you know, I think us us three, and I won't mention his name, but it's like I think we, we all kind of struggled from that, like, you know, I got to have my hands on the reins, dude, or shit's right. going to fall apart. Yeah, I'm telling you, know? you it's real. And, but if you can get past that and just, I mean, you have to have solid guys. You got to yeah. have really solid cats in your corner. But if you can find those dudes that can run that shop, like it's their own, like when they're losing dollars for the company, they feel like it's hurting their pockets. Right. If you can find those guys and, and place them and do it like whatever, profit share, whatever your business model is, be like, look, man, I want to, I want you to build this thing. And then that way you're not adding this like huge layer of stress. And I think that's where I made my mistake. It was just like, I was so fucking hands on, you know, and then you start getting angry at your guys for just doing dumb shit, you know, and people, you know, they, a person's never going to understand it. Like I'll never forget. Like I had a whiteboard one time and it was like, I'm going to explain this to you guys, right? We work on a, like oil and gas. It's fixed rate. You have a master service agreement. You can't like build whatever you think you can build. You got to show proof. I bought it for a dollar and I'm going to put a 10% markup on it. So I was like, I come out and these dudes are just throwing stuff out the back of the truck. And I'm like, all right, here's the deal. Here's the thing, guys. So this widget cost $1. Okay. You threw it out of the truck. Now we got to sell that same widget 11 times to recoup the one you just threw away. I was like, then we start to make money again. I was like, you understand where it comes from? Like, I don't want to pay $40,000 in material this month to only be able to build 30 grand in it. You know what I mean? It's like, and they... At that, when you're so ingrained, you're like, why don't you care? Like, this is my company. Like, why, you know? And it's like, dude, they're just a person, man. Got it. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking about, they're thinking about their wife, you know, broke her leg last week and they're worried about their families. Yeah. And it's like, I couldn't think about that until I got away from it. And I was like, man, I should have, I should have gave more attention to them and their needs. But at the same time, it's like, you got to run a company. Yeah. You know, and how do you do that? It's, it's like, tricky, man. It's a balance, man. So, yeah. It is. And that's one of the best advice I've ever had is don't, don't try and make your guys be you because it'll never, they don't own the company yeah. and they don't, they haven't done this from scratch and they, and they have their own lives, their own personalities. And instead you're not do everything like I do it all the time. Like you'll drive yourself crazy yeah, and you'll drive your guys off. Yeah. And it took me five years of owning the business to learn that and lost a bunch of really good employees because I was just hammering them all the yeah. time over stuff that, Maybe they had a better way to do it than I did, but I didn't care. Sure. You can do yeah. it out, you know. Your way or no way. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard to learn that lesson. The Telluride market's cool, man. I mean, I you know, if you can get them there, I have a couple of really good buddies. The same guy that we did that 50,000 square foot uh, mansion. He works up there. Um, I'm not under contract anymore, so I don't care. He should be finishing up, uh, uh, up Oprah's house right now. And, you know, he just, he's a hustler. He's a grinder. He works. Um, he's got, he, he does it right, man. He's in Telluride. He's got maybe six guys, seven, if, if it's busy and he's got a, and himself and he'll come out and get on his tools and stuff like that. But that market up there is different because it's, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, Durango, we've got millionaires, right? Maybe we, I don't think we have any billionaires up in here, but like, it's a difference of, it's a way big different of, of mentality in Telluride and they'll, they'll pay what it costs for the job doesn't matter. They want the job done. And so it's like, you know, he doesn't overbill and doesn't gouge and stuff. He just right. comes in, does the work. This is what it cost me. And the, the, for, from the first job he didn't, didn't tell you right. He's never left. Really? Never left tell you right. And it's like, and there's competition there. And he's like, that's fine. And 15 other You're companies come in and it's like, everything. dude, I, I'm, I'm working with these two builders and they're good. They keep me fed. They keep, you know, my company afloat. 
And he's like, I just, I have to give everything to them though, because their demands are wild, but they'll, they'll, they'll pay, man. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. So, uh, dude, that, <laughs> that, and that, that fucking mansion we were working on, we, so, uh, I, I can't actually say the name of the owners, but anyway, so his, so he passed away and they were doing this big lighting upgrade. Um, and so the wife flew in super nice gal, like sweet as could be, um, billionaire. And we're sitting at this, you know, pretty, pretty large round table. We're talking about, you know, a little bit of like scope of work, like this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And, um, uh, I, I said something and I like nudged Matt and I was like, Hey man, um, you know, and I'm pointing at him and I was showing him like, if we did this, like, and he got the gist that I was like, this would save a lot of money. Like, well, let's just do it this way. And he's like, come on, let's go outside. He takes me outside. He's like, so before you got here last week, he's like, I want to let you know. He's like, she was up here last week and I had to f take one of my guys off this job because he asked her to do, or said we could do it this way and we would save a little bit of money. And she was just like, she's like, here's the deal. I'm not asking yeah. you to save me money. I don't need you to save me money. What I'm asking you to do is do the job. And if you can find a better way, that's fine. But I don't need you to make this about money. Right. And I was like, all right, that's a different way of looking at shit. You yeah. Know? I was like, I <laughs> coming yeah. from like dirt poor being raised. And it's like, all right. Like, he's like, don't, we'll, we will do it more efficient, but don't ever bring it up and make it about money. Cutting and I was orders. like, what? That's a whole different way. Like, uh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. It probably comes a lot of headaches with that. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I don't know if you'd look at look at the world the same way. But I'll tell you what, man. Of all the money that's up here, I've met more really cool, genuine, rich people than I have the other way, and that's always, you know, because I go to a lot of these places. I'm like, oh man, knock on that door. I'm like, ah, and I've met so many good people that are just incredibly wealthy mm -hmm. that it just it blows my mind, you know. And you meet some assholes, of course, but. More than not, like I'm always I tell the guys, I'm like, man, wait till you meet this lady. She's so cool. Like, yeah. She's so down to earth. Like <laughs> yeah. we had this this lady in Ridgeway, same thing, huge, huge ranch house, beautiful. Windows, all the walls are windows. You could stand in her living room and see everything. And um, she had these sandstone floors and a huge house. And so I told her, you know, it's probably gonna take us about a week. And she goes, Okay, well, what I'll do, I'll tell you where the key's at. Don't worry about a hotel. You guys just stay here, help yourself to whatever. And whenever you're done, call me and I'll fly back in. I was like, I was like, we're getting a hotel. We're not going to. She's like, no, no, stay in my house. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not doing that. So <laughs> we didn't the first time because I was just like, something will happen, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but we've done it three times since then. And every time we've stayed out there and she's just, she's so cool. She'll make like our first three nights meals and have them ready for us. Oh, wow. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what do you, why do you think that is? It's just, I mean, not, not necessarily her, but I mean, you think it's, uh, once you get to that point you you don't have to worry about getting to that point and like i think a lot of it is where we live yeah. um a lot of time, you know the people that they want to be up here they want to be in the mountains they want to be i don't know I, I think if i was in chicago it'd be different oh you know? dude yeah or if i was you know somewhere else like west texas or whatever but i think everybody like i said was still everybody's here for a reason and i think a lot of them are appreciative and generally you're just happy to be here yeah yeah i mean that's it's definitely it's definitely different. I mean, I agree with you, dude. Like, it, there's there's definitely some assholes. <laughs> there's always going to be oh, yeah. an asshole at every bunch. But I mean, most of the most of the folks, like, when you deal with the people that, like, it, it, it just this is me just speaking personally. Like, you deal with the person that wants you to think they're a millionaire, and then you deal with the person that is a millionaire. 
and you'd never know it. They show up in, you know, denim jeans and a white t-shirt smoking cigarellas, you know, (laughs) um, those are the people that are like just genuine and like, they're they're just like, yeah, man, like you're just a person, but you got the wannabes that, you know, maybe they got a good job and maybe, maybe they got enough assets to call themselves a millionaire. Those are the people that I always find that are just like the rudest people on the planet. And I'm like, why? Like, like, cause you're on, you're on the, the quickest path to being an asshole. Like, I mean, money doesn't necessarily make it any better. You know, you can be a genuine person to be dead broke, but yeah, I've, I've seen that too, where it's like the people that you don't know are wealthy. And all of a sudden you, if you find out they're wealthy, you're like, Whoa, no way. man, That's crazy. (laughs) Like this is your house. Oh my God, dude. Whoa. Um, (laughs) yeah. So it's interesting, man. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for being, um, open about the ketamine thing, man. I think that's huge. I think a lot of people could benefit from that. And I mean, just hearing your story, like I, I didn't know that about you. Obviously you and I aren't, aren't close right. and you know, you had no problem telling me about it. And hopefully somebody hears this and they're like, you know, Hey, what, what did he say? Where's this doctor? Uh, you know, can I get some help? Cause I'm struggling. Cause it, I don't think enough people talk about it. No, you no, know, especially in our community. Yeah. And that's, that's why I am vocal about it. I mean, I, I share it probably too much. Yeah. But I figure if there's one person that's like, hey, that guy owns a business and has a family and he's struggling with this, like, maybe I can do it, you know? And if, if one person reaches out, then I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell everybody about it. I'm not ashamed of it. It yeah, is what yeah. it is. I don't think you should be ashamed. I think it's fucking awesome, man. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, man, thanks for coming on, dude. I really, I really appreciated this. And, um, yeah, I wish you the very best, dude. I really do. So. I appreciate it. I love what you got going on, man. It's super cool. We'll see if it goes anywhere. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Thanks, brother. You got it, man. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah.